Traditionally, the second Sunday of Advent um, is a time in which we uh, focus in on a really key figure in the story of Christ's coming. Um, and so I actually have a short video uh, to show you guys. I'm a classic one. Classic well, is it? Classic part? Yeah. Um, Joseph? No. Uh, uh, one of the three wise men? No. One of the innkeepers? No. Um, but it's a classic part? Yeah. Okay. Um, you tell me then, because... I'm door holder number three, I'll be holding doors. That's amazing. Holding doors for who? Um, probably um, Joseph and Mary. Oh my gosh, were you pleased when they said that? Yeah. What and did, What did you do? And I was like, I'm a door holder, get in there, let's go, yes. Wow. And, and, and maybe because there's no room, I'll probably be just low, be like just coming in and then I'll just slam them in, slam the door in their face. <laughs> Is that your star role? I'll probably, maybe. I'll probably be dressed up as a door. I don't think you're going to be a door. I think you're going to be a door holder. No, I'll have to wear like brown. Really? Yeah, probably. Excellent. That's well, that's really smart, Milo. Eventually, I'd love for the second Advent candle to be brown-colored. I think that would be appropriate. Um, this, of course, isn't the main character that we're talking about in Advent 2. Um, but it, I love how it doesn't occur to this little boy, or really to his mom, that doorman number three isn't a role as important as the, an angel or the Magi or Joseph. Like, it's completely lost on him that... He should be wearing like iridescent threads from the east or like this solemn and stately garb of someone closer to the top of the credits list. Instead, he's wearing light brown and calling people in saying, let's go, you get in here. And he does it with enthusiasm at the birth of a Messiah who would bring hope and healing and hospitality, bring light into darkness. I want this kind of innocence and enthusiasm as part of my Advent spirituality. Like, if we could lose our self-consciousness in the comparison that steals joy for the sake of the thrill of just being involved in the exciting project of the coming of God, leaning into this task of welcoming and pointing to Christ. In John's Gospel, we've been in the first chapter during this Advent season, after the really dramatic uh, prologue, the word was with God and was God, by whom and in whom all things are created. There was this slight letdown, introducing this strange Advent 2 character wearing brown, Jesus' cousin John the Baptist. This is kind of a flash forward in the story because John's gospel tells the story much more like a filmmaker, uh, more think more like Christopher Nolan or Terrence Malick than most of the other gospelers. And so uh, that passage in John 1 says, A man named John was sent from God, and he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. So we're told <clears throat> that 
though no one has ever seen God, God gives his son, is known through the arrival of Jesus. Amidst all the expectation, all the confusion, confusion fingers start to point at John. They wonder, he, you know, he's pretty eccentric. We haven't seen another one like this guy. Maybe he's the one who is to come. The priest and Levites were almost correct. It hadn't occurred, though, to John that he would be the one. It, he was just kind of going about his business. He wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't Elijah. He wasn't even a prophet. He was just someone dunking people for new life in God. That was just his job, and he was doing it. This is John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? His answer is something like, I'm just a doorman. I'm just a, a way maker. I'm a, a voice crying out from the margins of respectable society saying, people, get ready. Something is happening. John's uh, first, uh, first chapter says, and then John sees him and testifies and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, this is the one about whom I said, he who comes after me is really greater than me because he existed before me. Even I didn't realize, uh, recognize him, but I came baptizing with water so he might be made known to Israel. John testified, I saw the Spirit coming down like a dove, and it rested on him. Even I didn't recognize him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said, the one on whom you see the Spirit coming down and resting is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and testify that this one is God's Son. It's well known that one of the greatest modern theologians wrote so much. Um, <laughs> uh, Swiss theologian Karl Barth, he had one piece of art above his writing desk. And I think we have a picture of his writing desk. Shout out to anyone who writes from like a little desk and a little carol. So much came out of this little desk, right? And so while he was churning out vo voluminous works on the triune God and the church's mission in the world, he had this Eisenheim altarpiece right above his desk. We have a little bit of a close-up, I think. Yeah, it looks something like this. It's beautiful, and it's complex, and it tells so much of the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. But the key panel for Bart, the key image for us in the second Sunday of Advent, is the image of John the Baptist pointing. John the Baptist pointing. Pointing with this, like, really long, gnarly finger that looks like it has about, like, six knuckles on it. I had a college roommate that, that had a finger like that. Oof. <laughs> but he's pointing to Jesus. He's pointing not to himself, but he's pointing to God's arrival, God's person, God's work made known in this world. That's what John's whole life was about. For all the other eccentricities that we remember John by, we mostly remember John pointing. I doubt if there was a eulogy for John the Baptist they would have talked much about how many baptisms he performed or the thread count in his camel hair coat or even the dramatic and unjust way that he died. You can look that up. But they probably would have talked about his, how his life pointed to Jesus, 
how his whole identity was as a forerunner to his cousin, the Christ. I think that is what this Advent life of the Christian is about. Living in such a way that our words, our deeds, our expectations point the world to Christ. That we await God's coming into this world. That we recognize when Jesus is in our midst. That we're stripped of presumptions and arrogance that we might be the main character of the story or the disappointment when we're not. That's why the Christian life is a life of freedom. We're freed from those things. It's a life of hope and it's a life of joy. It's a life of hospitality, making room for God in our lives and our world. John sees Jesus and he points that long finger to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the sins of the whole world. The, the, the ways creation groans for redemption. The ways we twist God's goodness. The ways sometimes we even participate in scarcity and violence and extraction. Jesus takes these away, is making all things new, even us, even in this place. John sees Jesus and points with that long finger at someone who comes after him and who has existed before him. In John, there's a recognition that he has been dropped into a world that he did not create and will not see to its end. But Jesus was and is and is to come. Jesus, the word who was with God and was God at creation. Jesus, the word made flesh who dwells among us. Jesus will come again to make all things new and all things right and establish God's kingdom in full. And John sees Jesus, and he points that long finger at someone who he doesn't always recognize, even though he's pretty familiar with. But he nevertheless loves and hopes for this one. This is an invitation to imitation. Not to mastery, not to knowing it all, not to being 100% accurate every time we point and think that God is coming, but just to expecting and just to receiving. That's the posture of John, the one who points. Tender heart and pointing fingers. So in this Advent season, I invite you all that we, like doorman number three, like John the Baptist, that we continue to set aside our egos. We'll have a chance in just a moment to, to offer our repentance, our confession. But also that we open up our eyes and our ears and our hands and our hearts to receive God's good gifts and to point to God's arrival. Will you all pray with me? Lord Jesus, make us people that expect, that expect things to change and expect you to show up in our lives and in our world. Help us be like John, um, preparing a way, uh, even when it makes us seem eccentric or out there, that you would um, 
through us, prepare a way for you to come into this world, a, a straight path, a smooth way. Give us imaginations for that. Give us courage. Give us endurance. And Lord, help us point with our fingers and with our lives to your coming. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.